You're listening to Boggy Talk, Faith Conversations in the Mud, a resource of Church on Bayshore. Boggy Talk is recorded on Boggy Bayou in Niceville, Florida, and is hosted by Justin Wyatt and James Ross, pastors at Church on Bayshore. We typically want every matter of faith and life to have crystal clear answers, but it isn't always that easy. This podcast digs in to help Christians think with a kingdom mentality about topics that sometimes get muddy and bog us down. So let's dive in. Well, hey, and welcome to Boggy Talk. Thanks for joining us for the third week of four challenges facing the church in 2021. I am joined by my faithful co-host, James Ross, lead pastor here at Church on Bayshore, and a very special, special guest today, (laughs) the very right reverend Chuck Hartness. Hey, Chuck. Hey, Justin, how are you? (laughs) It's early in the morning as we record this. Chuck is recently retired, and so he's not used to waking up before noon anymore. He was late, actually, this morning. I was. I was. (laughs) So Chuck has served in ministry for a long time, has a lot of experience of seeing the church, not just this church, but the church as a whole, go through a lot of changes. And so we wanted his expertise today as we dive into the uh, the third uh, challenge we're going to talk about, which I'm going to tell you what it is in a second. But first, Chuck, how is retirement? <laughs> well, you just described it. It's sleeping in late and then turning the alarm off and then rolling back over on a cold morning and <laughs> and then having my phone to wake me up uh, half an hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Um, uh, retirement's been pretty good. Nice. Pretty good. Well, I'm glad yeah. to hear it. I'm sure that Sue has uh, plenty of things for you to do. She does. And your mother. <laughs> yes, very much so. I'm sure. Well, today we are diving into the third of four challenges we're talking about for uh, the church in 2021. And today we're talking about modernism. And so as we talk about modernism, we should first probably define what it is. So, James, why don't you let us know? Absolutely. So, for a definition of modernism, I went to the most reliable source of information on the internet. Very most. Wikipedia. <laughs> yes. Uh, Wikipedia actually gives a very good, uh, concise definition of modernism. <laughs> I, told my kid, I told one of my kids to look up something on Wikipedia, and he was like, if I do that, my teacher will give me an F. <laughs> like, What's so, so f- funny is, you know, people, I saw like a meme going around about how like, it's so frustrating when somebody asks you about something and you're like, just Google it. And I really tell people that all the time because people come to me with like, I don't understand. I'm like, just Google it. Like it's so easy to find (laughs) out that information. But, um, I did look at other definitions and this really is probably the best one that can take a long time. That's right. So, uh, the definition there is that modernism is both a philosophical movement and an art movement that arose from broad transformations in Western society during the late 19th, in early 20th centuries, right around the time Chuck's ministry began, mm-hmm. the movement <laughs> reflected a desire for the creation of new forms of art, philosophy, and social organization, which reflected the new emerging industrial world, including features such as urbanization, new technologies, and war. So really, it's it's this 
you know, the world was a way for so long, but with the advancement in art and technology, you know, there began to be new definitions and new ways that we looked at the world. Um, that's really what modernism is, you know. So my definition might have been a little more succinct than <laughs> Wikipedia's, but uh, that's really what it Things is. Things change. Now, that's it, right. they're, now they're better, maybe. So yeah. it's modern. So, yeah, I think uh, modernism really is... Uh, as a movement is saying uh, the challenges of modernism are, you know, that as things progress, we tend to think that things are better. Yeah. That you know, as time goes on, we have more information. So things are we are now advanced, more advanced as a society. Yes. Or we, we think these things. And I'm yeah. not saying they're true. And and that presents a challenge because as we buy into modernism, we think that everything new is automatically better than everything old. Right. And that really stems out of what we've talked about the past uh, two weeks with individualism, this, that I am the boss of me and I determine what's best for me. That leads to pragmatism, which is, you know, is this useful for me? Does this help me? Yeah. I do me, you not, do you. And nothing then, to do with it. Nothing right? to do yeah. with it. So that really paves the way for modernism to this thought to take over that if this is new, if this is the latest thing, the latest thought, the latest philosophy, it's got to be better than what's before because we have more information now. Right. We have new forms of expression. And that is dangerous. Yeah. And, and I think that we need to, when we're having this conversation, we need to talk about postmodernism also and progressivism you know postmodernism is really the idea that you know almost <laughs> you know we've moved past all that you know mm -hmm. and and there's a really a new reality or or there is no reality you know and so we kind of define our reality if you will and then progressivism uh you know and i don't mean that necessarily in politics even though certainly that is an aspect of it right. it's progressivism is a shift you know away from anything that appears old or traditional in our culture so um you know trevin wax says in the article that we've kind of based this um podcast off of uh, it says we are in a moral revolution in which long-standing beliefs in our culture are being turned upside down as expressive individualism spreads and becomes the dominant view of the world basic christian teachings are now considered not old-fashioned not problematic, not just wrong, but extreme and dangerous. Um, so, you know, we see this, I would say, radical shift away from the values that have shaped not just our society, but so many societies uh, at an at a increasingly um, fast rate. Yeah, I think, you know, when we start on a, on a small level, like when it talks about things, the progression of old-fashioned to you know, that's not problematic to just mm -hmm. wrong. It's like, we think of something that may be old fashioned, like think about, uh, you know, Chuck, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's no, not, no, old. he's not old fashioned. We'll but you know, that. I think like, of um, men holding the door open for women, There you, go. you know, like that's a, that's a great thing. And it shows honor. Now, some people say, well, that's just old fashioned. Yeah. yeah. That's not yeah. for the modern world. So that's a, that's a small example, mm -hmm. but then you, you start, progressing those those thoughts forward and then all of a sudden we're in this place where it's like well it's actually wrong and it's actually dangerous yeah. to say that you know this is how god created the roles of men and women to to, to complement each other in marriage that's a dangerous thought or yeah and so that's that's what we're talking about in with modernism yeah and i think that for us i mean we could we could certainly spend all of our time talking about the societal issue here but uh, i think most people listening to this really don't care about us talking about the societal <laughs> issue they want to hear how it affects the church how it affects right. christians and so uh it has certainly 
crept into the church and I would say even comes from within the church often. And that's why we have Chuck here because, uh, you know, we want to hear, you know, from ministering amongst World War One and World War Two and <laughs> civil rights movement. They, when you were, when you were uh, a teenager during the Great Depression, yeah, yeah, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> no. Just so kidding, really, he's really not that old. <laughs> really, I mean, he does have about 30, you know, years of ministry experience on us. And so, you know, how have you seen this affect the church over your your ministry? Well, it's a a lot, a a lot of time, 45 years in the ministry. And and as I was thinking back, because most of what I could say has to do with, you know, it's anecdotal. I've got, uh, I was a teenager and in college in the 70s when the the Jesus movement Mm -hmm. swept Mm. and, uh, and, People begin to become very, very serious about who Jesus is and following Jesus. Um, and as a young college student, we were all for that. Um, and some of the things that we would do at church, uh, the the older folks would, of course, raise their eyebrows and more. Uh, <laughs> kind of like when I wear jeans, or I was kidding. Yeah, yeah. When you wear tennis shoes with a with a sport coat, you know. That's <laughs> kidding. <laughs> um, so, and I'm a musician. I've played the guitar, and I played very, the, very well. I played I the bass for some of the uh, the youth musicals that we had. I had a friend in North Georgia who was a uh, music director, and he they did a, a a a youth musical back in the '70s. The people got up and left. Wow! Wow! <laughs> they, those poor young people were just sitting there, uh, and so I, I faced that. Even before going into uh, uh, ministry uh, uh, professionally, uh, I know when I served in a church uh, uh, in southwest Georgia, a uh, church that I came from to come here, uh, we were about 10 years there. Precious, precious people, love them to death, um, but it was in a rural, deep south setting. Mm-hmm. And so you can imagine some of the uh, uh, the ethnic preference. We were looking at some of the church history after I'd become pastor there and uh, looked at a document when the church was founded. Mm-hmm. And the, the statement was in black and white there in their constitution, so to speak. Well, they actually didn't have a constitution. But this was a statement of their beginnings. And um, it said, this church shall be for white people only. Wow. And I'd already had moved there. <laughs> I'd yeah, already yeah. said yes to it. And um, uh, and so that's something that I said, talking to Sue, I said, you know, this is something we're faced with here. Um, and I was there for 10 years and really don't know how I lasted that long, mm-hmm. uh, how they put up with me. Uh <laughs> And, and the Lord was gracious. We we did grow. Uh, people did become to to see that uh, that that was not a part of Christianity or should not mm-hmm. be a part. Mm-hmm. And I had come from Western New York before going to that place. And the last couple of years in Western New York, I was actually co-pastoring a church with an African-American brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we had a ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Plus, you know, that church in Georgia I was at uh, was mostly uh, older folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's where I basically learned senior adult ministry mm-hmm. uh, before coming here mm-hmm. to be a minister to senior adults. And I got a lot of on-the-job training there. They, uh, of course, 
uh, were very, very conservative and uh, did not want to embrace change uh, as much mm -hmm. as uh, I would like. I found over the years that um, as a part of leadership, as a pastor of a church or on staff as a church, it was easier for me to embrace change and to see the need for it. Mm -hmm. um, I hope I was a good enough team player here. I was, but also, I also found that as I'm getting older, it's easier to question than right, to say, right. well, maybe we shouldn't quite go yeah. that direction so quickly, you know. I, uh, you're really hitting on, kind of, and you got us there quick. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to lead you in there, but you got there quick. You're hitting on the fact that, so modernism in itself is not bad. Right. Um, but there is a spirit of modernism that mm -hmm. is bad. Mm -hmm. So maybe, why don't you help us, but help those who are listening or watching understand, you know, the good of people who are resistant to change. You know, like there is a, a good about people who are hesitant to just adapt. Well, sure. You know, the scripture says, and my phone timed out. <laughs> Maybe later. Okay. Um, like in, uh, in Psalm uh, 22, 24, it says, uh, uh, do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. Of course, the context of that is uh, settling in the new in, in, into the promised land, and they were to respect boundaries. But in, for Solomon to repeat that in Proverbs gives us the idea that there's a much deeper meaning to that, and um, and so it's, it's it's you know trying to make sure that uh, on the one hand we do not throw out God's word mm -hmm. uh, and the gospel. Uh, with uh, the way that we see expressing the gospel needs to change. Um, and, and on the other hand, where Jesus tells his disciples, you know, and actually he's telling the Pharisees, uh, we need some new wineskins because mm -hmm. I'm doing something yeah. new. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's going to take something new in order to reach those around us. Mm -hmm. No, that's good. So, you know, one of our values as a church is that our changing world needs the unchanging word. And our, our point is that that's really that has that communicates two messages, but one one headed in one direction. The world is constantly changing. So we have to engage the world. But at the same time, the word is not changing. And so we have to com continually bring the unchanging word to them. Um, so, so what are some things that you think uh, are problems with the church not willing to change? Well, for one thing, evangelism doesn't take place. Yeah. And there have been reasons for that, fear mm. being a huge thing. Even to this day, I have to grapple with being afraid of how somebody's going to respond to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and so um, uh, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a huge part right there. Um, and to say, well, we've got things set. I, I, I understand the way things are right now and don't mess with that because it's going to make me uncomfortable. Mm. One of the things you said earlier uh, as you were talking about your experience specifically in, in Southwest Georgia near mm -hmm. Albany was you know, the issue of race. And I think that's a, a good example of how the church at times has struggled and sinfully struggled to, 
not, I don't want to say keep up with the culture, but to, to be the, the transforming agent of the culture, the church, the church should be leading those conversations. Mm-hmm. And so that's a good example of, of how the church can lag behind, you know, in, in, in times. But then, you know, as we talk about modernism, it's, it's a lot of times I think with, with modernism, the church is that we start to view the word or the, the truth of scripture as, well, that was for then that's not relevant mm, now. Right. You know, I think we think, oh, well, that's that's old that that that's old fashioned. People, that's not even practical anymore. That's kind of a thought, but it's stemming back to pragmatism. So, have you seen that? Uh, you know, even not just in younger people, but have you seen some of that? Is specifically a lot of your ministry here has been with older adults. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that mindset of, well, you know, maybe this isn't really applicable today? I've seen it some. I think it's been more the attitude that this is uncomfortable for me, and I'm not going to go there. Mm, <laughs> um, Spin up a wall. Yeah, yeah uh, they. You know, I have seen, especially in some of our life group leaders and senior adults, I've seen them come a long way. Mm-hmm. Not anything I've done. It's just that as the word has uh, confronted them, they've seen that well. This is, you know, I've got to agree with God, you know. Mm-hmm. I can't have my own thoughts in this. Um, and so we've seen that. We were just talking about it before this cast, mm-hmm. uh, about some of our life group leaders who um, have really grown in this area. But it's as they have laid aside uh, their own opinions mm-hmm. and said, you know, I've got to agree with Jesus. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, you're, we're talking about two generations, you know, that we're ministering to, I mean, probably maybe even really three, yeah. you know, cause there's the, there's the senior adult generation. Then there's the boomers slash, well, the senior, the boomers are really the senior adults now, you know, and don't tell them. Yeah. <laughs> Do not tell them. And then you have the Gen X, you know, who's kind of in the prime income leadership years. And there's a huge gap there, honestly. I mean, in the church, if you look, there's not a ton of Gen X leaders, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then, uh, which our church, I think, is an exception to that. But then you have the millennial group, you know, who comes after that. Um, and now Gen Z, which is the newest. Yeah. 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 And, and it's interesting because, you know, I think beginning really with that Gen X generation, uh, you do see modernism. So so they where, where you're the generation you've primarily ministered to, their biggest challenge has been, this is the way we do things. Okay, what is the culture saying? Okay, and so should we change the way we do things or are even some of our views about things wrong versus kind of after that, it's like, okay, everything's wrong in the, <laughs> that we've done in the past. You know, mm-hmm. a, re, a revisionist history, a reaction mm-hmm. uh, to everything. I guess specifically, you know, what I, what I would like to know is how have you seen modernism? Because the church has certainly modernized over the last 25 years. How yeah. have you seen that hurt the church? Well, I've seen it hurt the church when uh, people get so excited about the latest thing. Uh, and, and, you know, as a younger person growing up, uh, you know, we were excited about uh, some of the newer technologies, uh, some of the changes in music. Uh, <clears throat> and so uh, sometimes we would get sort of uh, arrogant. Mm. And uh, because 
we can say, well, this is the way things are going. This is the way it really needs to be. And there would be a wall mm -hmm. built between us and mm -hmm. our elders. Uh, and then as I grew older and became one of those elders, uh, I could see uh, that on both sides. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's an arrogance. There's a, you know, this is the way I've done it. Uh, I've got it figured out. Uh, leave me alone. <laughs> right. I think that's a great point. That's, and that's really one of the challenges we have as a multi-generational church is that every generation thinks they're right, you know, mm -hmm. and that's, that's every generation thinks they're right. And so when we, we fall into that, this is the way we do it or should do it. We really have to be humble and repent of arrogance mm -hmm. and say, I, I need to learn from you and, and you need to learn from me and I need to learn from you. And, and that's how we are better. Mm -hmm. So, so, so how, what would be your advice to, um, you know, the, the younger leaders that are, you know, specifically in our church, but I'd say anywhere about how to engage the culture without throwing everything about their history out? Yes. Well, within the church, of course, that culture is embodied in more of the older folks um, and that they're having to wrestle with. Yeah. Uh, and I would say, uh Stop for a moment and listen. Mm. Uh, ask questions. Let them feel like they have something to contribute because they do. They do. Uh, uh, but they need to feel like you think they have something to contribute. Mm -hmm. and, and, and ask them and listen to them mm. and, uh, and be willing to weigh what they say. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> now that scripture says, don't remove the ancient landmark uh, is a serious scripture. <clears throat> We need to make sure that uh, uh, our foundation is in the Word of God and, and his, what the Ancient of Days has said. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, then I say to the older, uh, you need to listen to the younger too and see what freshness is coming through. Mm -hmm. uh, the new wine of Jesus is continually new. Mm -hmm. It's always new. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you talked about uh, individualism. Uh, individualism is basically just saying this is this is what I prefer, uh, and I'm not going to change. Mm. Uh, we need to focus on an individual, mm -hmm. and his name is Jesus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mm. yeah, that's good. Well, in that, so how do, how how do you, and how have you, kind of weighed what are the absolutes that we must not change versus what we're willing to change? I mean, what would be kind of your guidance there? Well, always, of course, the Word of God. And, of course, sometimes that comes to, uh, sometimes there may be differences of interpretation of mm -hmm. that Word. Mm -hmm. And and, and, you and your to, pastor's is always right. Oh, yes, always. <laughs> always. <laughs> and if they're not, you need to entreat them gently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... That's always been a real struggle as mm -hmm. to determine, well, you know, for instance, we, we, we couch it in the languages. Well, what is, uh, is this a hill worth dying mm -hmm. on, you know? Um, uh, how does it affect how people see the church? Now, uh, Jesus was an exclusivist. Mm -hmm. uh, I am the way, mm -hmm. the truth, and the life. Mm -hmm. No one comes to the Father but by me. Uh, and that's an absolute. Mm -hmm. And yet we need to present that as good news because yeah. it is good news. Yeah. Uh, the world doesn't see it as that, 
your question, uh, how to, uh, how do you deal with uh, absolute truth in a, a culture that doesn't accept that? Uh, they actually do have absolute truths if you start to mm-hmm. converse with them. Uh, and their absolute truths have to do with what they think. They yeah. think what they think is absolute. Mm-hmm. And then you help them to see what the end product mm-hmm. of that is, which the scripture says the, there's a way that seems right to a man, but mm-hmm. the end of that way leads mm-hmm. to death. <clears throat> and uh, the absolutes that they need to see of course, have to come through holy conversation. Yeah. But it has to be backed by a life that's definitely following Jesus. Mm -hmm. They have to see the genuine love of Christ. Mm -hmm. And there's no argument against that. They may not like it. They may be uncomfortable, but uh, they cannot cannot dismiss genuine love. Mm -hmm. And that backs up the word of God uh, tremendously. I think it's interesting. And I think because there's there's this idea of modernism, there's this idea of tradition, there's this idea of postmodernism, there's this idea of progressivism, and all these things are so hard to quantify in a, in a succinct way. Mm-hmm. And then it's it, they all kind of merge together. Um, and so I think it's hard to you know concisely wrap this up. Um, but I, I think that you hit the nail on the head for how, what do Christians do if they find themselves in this place, which you do, if you actually care, you know, of, of managing all this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the answer is humility. You know, I, I think it's important to recognize, um, you know, and Justin quotes somebody, I can't remember who you quote when you say this, but you know, it's, it's a tension to be managed. You know, it, it is. And I think first we all must recognize like, okay, I think I have ways I think about the world. I have ways I think about church, ways I think about mm-hmm. everything. And that didn't all come from within here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like we, we're arrogant as individuals and we think, oh, that was just all in here, in my heart. <laughs> I thought know? of that. Yeah, but really it was like your parents, your reaction to your parents. You live in a society now with, with major Western Greek thought that's influenced how we do politics, how we do all these things. And so to realize, you know, when we're talking about, oh, this is what the culture is doing right now. Well, a big part of our argument of that is the way we view culture, not not mm-hmm. the Bible, the way right. we view culture. And so we we, we first got to say we got to say acknowledge that, like, okay, so I'm I'm seeing this new way of culture, and I'm comparing it to my way of culture, mm-hmm. and that's just how I am. What I've got to look to is what does the Word say, you know, in this, and the Word, you know, has some clarity, but there's also a lot of freedom about cultures in the Word, you know, and, and a culture of church, <clears throat> culture of whatever. There's some not freedom, if you want to say, you know, or some absolute truths, but there is a lot of freedom. And so I think we, we recognize like, you know, at least when we're Americans and we talk about modernism, like it has led to the South recognizing, hey, some of the things about our culture were wrong. <laughs> you know, um, some of those landmarks weren't the landmarks God wanted up. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, let's just be real. I mean, <clears throat> right. but at the same time, we have to recognize that some of modernism is bad. And I think that's the problem is a lot today in our culture, because modernism, if you want, claims credit, progressivism claims claims credit right. for civil rights. Then then it's like, well, obviously everything we're saying must be right because we were right about that one thing, right? Mm-hmm. Which actually the real key to the civil rights movement was a tie back to scripture. I mean, Dr. King, we just celebrated his, you know, birthday and all got a day off because of that, you know. He wasn't saying Progressivism. He was saying, 
let's go back to how we were originally created. You know, right. let's go back to the truth, you know, mm -hmm. um, and progressivism attached itself to that, you know, right. and I think that's the problem with progressivism today is it's not saying, Hey, what, what about our culture is wrong? Let's look to the word. Let's look to the absolute truth. It's saying, here's what's wrong about our culture. Here's what we think. Yep. Let's do what we think. <laughs> yeah. and fix it this way. Yeah. Because yeah. obviously everything is wrong. Like, so one thing was wrong. So everything's yeah. wrong. Yeah. And that's wrong. You're right. Right. <laughs> and it's the same way in the church. It's like we can point out right now that, you know, that there's this one issue in this church or that your church or whatever. And we say, well, then everything they've ever done is wrong. Well, that right. is silly. That yeah. is the silliest thing you could ever think because yeah. you know we all think when we come along we're the we just have the best ideas yeah. and every generation thinks this most <laughs> people think this and and so when we step into a situation you know and, and a lot of us are wired this way we're we're wired to step into a situation and say well this could be better this could be better and the tendency is to think well everything's just terrible here about this <laughs> and it's just that is so wrong and that is really a discredit to people who have given much and sacrificed much and and progressivism like you said says Throw it all out, start fresh, yeah. and that is not a healthy place. And, and there's a rebellious spirit to that. <laughs> yeah. And I think when I first started out in ministry, you know, I, I God's grace stopped, saved me from this. But I saw this funny, I think it was a tweet, and it was like, you know, uh, how it was mocking, you know, that churches will say, this is not your grandma's church. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, I've wouldn't want to go to church with a lady who's prayed for all of her family for 50 years, <laughs> and like, her neighbors for 50 the Bible. years, studies the Bible and gives more money than she should to the poor. Wouldn't want to go to church with her. Right. You know? So it's like, what yeah. arrogance to say, this is not your grandma's church. You right. Know? And I think, you know, and, we, and you know, so many churches are playing, you were a church planter. So you yeah. recognize this and know people, and maybe this was part of it. Like so many, so many churches are planted, not because there's a burden for that community, but it's just somebody who's like, I can't stand the way that church did it. And so I'm going to go do it my way and it's going to be right. And uh, <laughs> not that you did that no. or, and not that the church that we are supporting the planting is doing that, but that's so much of what happens because it's that mentality. They want to like, plant with grandma's money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. You know, it's like, we want like everything about you is wrong, but give us stuff. Like, <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs> and that that's a great, that what you talk about our society, you talk about our church. I mean, that's what, we fail to acknowledge here is we are on the foundation of this generation before us, you yeah. know, and I mean, that's true in America and, and that's true in our church. And did that generation have things that you can look back and say, holistically, they had problems with? Yes, but so Dude, will ours. Mm -hmm. I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, my, my we were talking to my daughter last night about, you know, she, her and my wife were kind of disagreeing about something. It was very I was complimenting them both and how they handled their disagreement. And I said, Lily, I really appreciate your dialogue with your mom on this. At the end of this discussion, though, what your mom says goes. And if you don't like it, when you raise kids, don't do it the that's way you do it. <laughs> I do that like, all the time. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Like, But love will be what arch overarches yes. all of how we live as a family. And I think that's true of our church. That should be true of our society. Mm -hmm. The question is, who defines love? Right. Who defines mm -hmm. equality? Who defines justice? Who defines evangelism? Who defines growth? Who defines success? Is it a generation or is it the God of all generations? Yeah, yeah. we have to look to his word. And so that's, that's where we land today in this thought of modernism is that, you know, we have to center ourselves in the word and, you know, not root ourselves in necessarily tradition that can keep tradition itself isn't bad but if tradition keeps us from the word 
then we need to evaluate that. And so uh, if you have questions about modernism, anything we've talked about today, anything we've shared, please let us know, follow up, send us a message, uh, and join us uh, next week as well as we finish off this four-week uh, series on challenges with pluralism and uh, how that affects the church. So stay tuned to Boggy Talk. Uh, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe. I hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss any new content. We got some more likes. Yeah. Two star doesn't stand out as much that's anymore. That's right. So thank you. That's right. Maybe we'll get three stars. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. right. So then we want five. That's well, right. Five. Get five. Yeah. Five's the best. Yes, it's not one. Right. It's, yeah. So thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Boggy Talk. We are so glad you joined in the conversation. Go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss a beat.